You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. You know, it's as important as our collective times of worship uh, really are for us as a church family. It's important that we don't limit our times of worship to Sunday mornings. In the Bible, we just see a description of what true and proper worship is all about. If you have your Bibles or if you don't just pull out the message insert, you can see our opening passage here uh, from God's written word. In Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What do you see in the reading of this section of the Bible? What is our true and proper worship, spiritual worship? It's not just joining with other believers in collective times of worship like this, but it's, it's understanding that our, our worship to God is giving of ourselves, giving of our bodies to God. You know, in the Old Testament, which is the portion of the Bible that was written before Jesus was born, uh, we, we see that when the people of God would worship God, when they would come uh, to times of worship in collective places with other believers, that they would bring actually animal sacrifices, or they'd bring some sacrifice to bring as a praise offering, a thank offering, or uh, possibly an offering for uh, seeking forgiveness. Now, that, that actually is kind of seems pretty distant to us and maybe even odd to us as 21st century uh, believers to try to get our minds wrapped around about bringing an animal to sacrifice as part of your worship. And yet, in Romans 12, with the people that were familiar with that background when, they, when it was first written, uh, uh, the ideal here is that we are to bring ourselves and place ourselves on the altar as a worship to God, that we offer our lives and our very selves to worship God in everything that we do. And so living sacrifices means that we don't just put ourselves on the altar on Sunday morning and then take it back off when we leave the building, but we put ourselves on the altar to be offered to God throughout the week and that our daily lives should reflect that we are worshipers of God and that we are seeking to live as his Worshippers, his followers, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not just with how we spend an hour on Sunday morning, but how we live out our decisions, our words, and our actions throughout the week. Think about that during this coming week. You know, here at Southwest, we're 
continuing to seek God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for us as a church family. After significant time of prayer, we've recently experienced an important transition in our church family. We hired Nathan Mitchell to be our new student minister. And by the way, that's a reminder to me to dismiss sixth through eighth graders, okay? Uh, see, they didn't flash that on the screen, so uh, I forgot. And the sixth through eighth graders are going, oh, no, we got to listen to this guy. Um, they're, they're thrilled. They get to go be with Nathan in the student wing, okay? Um, but uh, as we brought Nathan on staff, uh, we have shifted Andrew Beal, who was our former student minister, uh, to become our new executive minister. Now, he's been in that role for about a month, month and a half in this transition. And we want to make sure that we explain to the church family here uh, what all is going on and what all is involved in this important shift. And so to help do this, uh, we're actually going to, I'm going to ask uh, Andrew if he would come up on stage. Uh, Andrew's our new executive minister here. And um, by the way, I'm trying to make sure I know, they, they told me that there was going to be an X uh, on the spot for me to stand, but That's I don't true. see it. I said I didn't put it there, did I? They, they, they said last week that when I was up here, um, that with, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. All right. Oh, I see. But see, I need my notes. Um, and as you get older, the eyesight goes. Okay. Uh, but, but they told me that with the shadows, that was hard to see me. So they said, they're going to move me. I think the goal is to move me. So you can't see me at all. Okay. Uh, but, but, uh, maybe not, but anyways, uh, Andrew's up here on stage and we wanted to do a little interview before we get into our, our, our bulk of our message today. Um, and, um, so Andrew, welcome. And, Thanks. And, um, you know, we want to just start right out of the chute with a question that I've been asked, maybe you've been asked, and uh, inquiring minds want to know, I want to know, are you now, as the executive minister, are you my boss? Yes. Okay. okay. No. Right. Okay. <laughs> no. That's, okay, that's not, any, not in the slightest, no. Okay, that's important for me to know. So, um, all right, well, you've been actively working uh, as the executive minister for about a month. Uh, what exactly does an executive minister do? Yeah, uh, maybe the, at least well, I'll, how I'll go about it is maybe talk about um, what one doesn't do, or at least what I'm not doing. Uh, one thing is uh, the position of executive minister, it's actually pretty uncommon for a church of our size. It gets more common around like eight, 900, certainly over 1,000. Typically around our size, associate minister is more, uh, more typical. Uh, now, with an associate minister, typically that looks like uh, I would, we would share pretty much the same duties. You do some weddings, funerals. I do some. You do some small group stuff. I do some small group stuff. Um, just based on our gifting, we just haven't separated things in that particular way. And, you know, I'll speak to that here in a moment. Um, but just some, like, common misunderstandings or I know, like, a couple big questions I've been asked by more than one people. Uh, one has been kind of along the line, am I your boss? Some have asked me, you know, are you, are you taking Roger's job? No, absolutely not. Um, honestly, Roger, I really don't want your job. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, you know, certainly hoping you'll be around until you decide to retire. 
So no, not taking your job, not your boss, certainly not your boss. Um, and the other question I've been asked a lot, uh, been like, oh, so you're not gonna, uh, you're not gonna be up preaching anymore. You're gonna be stuck behind a desk for, from now to the end of time. Also not true. I think the plan right now is, uh, I'll be up here about once every four to six weeks. So those are some, just the two biggest questions I've been asked in particular about this position. Um, kind of what this will look like for, for Southwest and me going forward is, uh, my role is going to be largely behind the scenes. Um, whereas, uh, you know, I kind of tend toward the, the strategy side of things and the administrative things that honestly don't excite you all that much. Uh, that's kind of where I'll be falling. Um, probably the simplest way, and I'll talk to anybody who wants to, you know, between services or through email. Um, but I kind of whittle it down to three words, kind of what I get to be over. Uh, I get to be over church-wide strategy, church-wide effectiveness, and church-wide efficiency. So more behind the scenes, um, are we doing the absolute best that we can? Very good, very good. Well, how will uh, Southwest Church as a whole benefit from this new role being established and you serving in it? Yeah, uh, probably the best strategy or um, analogy to use is made from the business world. Uh, we're familiar with language like CEO, things like that, where CEO, you know, the business world stands for um, chief executive officer. Uh, well, that word executive is in my title. Again, using the analogy, CEO is really not really what I'd be doing. That's more of a what you'd be doing. So to use that analogy, you know, we're not a business, I'm not even close to a business, but might be able to connect. Um, using that analogy, Roger, CEO, I'd be more of COO, Chief Operations Officer. That's probably maybe the an easy way going forward to kind of understand my role. That can often be misunderstood. Uh, in other words... Um, you know, in churches like this, senior minister or you, like you're the visionary, like where are we going? At least for us, it's bridging the gap to those without Jesus so that no one has to live without hope. You are the driver, you're the inspirer, the encourage of making sure the you know, body of Southwest is, is really excited about that and kind of casting that vision forward. Uh, my job is I get to be the integrator or making sure that Roger's vision is actually coming through just step by step, more of the detail and strategy work for that. Um, yeah, pretty much. Roger has a vision, and I make sure that it happens. Um, but also something exciting that um, I'm excited for, you're excited for, is just uh, I get to take a number of things off of your plate. Um, whether you guys know it, Roger very much has the gifting and passion for a leadership development and small groups and coaching, that sort of thing. Uh, what this allows me to do is take some maybe administrative things off of Roger's plate so we can give more attention to things he just absolutely loves and is great at, like the small group ministry and just making sure we're great growing and discipleship, things like that, that's going to flourish even more than it has been over the last couple of years. Very good. All right. Thanks. So, so I like that, that analogy and that, uh, even though like we're, as you said, we're not a business, but that idea of operations, yeah. but we didn't call you an operations minister because we want people to know you're not going to be doing surgeries or anything like that. So, uh, but, uh, w- what are you most excited about moving forward in this new role? Yeah, I'm. I'm even. I'm excited now. I have been. Even someone asked me on the lobby before. And are you really liking your job? New job? I said, Oh, I love it to death. Um, I do want to take just a couple of minutes. You know, I've been in, had been in student ministry for seven or eight years, and uh, there has been some natural grieving with that, just because hey, this was a major part of my life. Uh, I've been training for in student ministry ever since I was like 15 or 16 years old. So you know, half of my life, like, oh, this is it's certainly a transition. Um, I got to thinking uh, a year or two ago, Forbes they put out this article and they went through and they ranked like what are the like I think was the top 50 most meaningful jobs in America and number one was youth minister or student minister I remember reading I was like yeah I absolutely believe that so in some ways I feel like and I hope it's not dangerous to say this I feel like it would be hard for 
um, anything other than student ministry to be more meaningful to me. I feel like that might have been the most meaningful chunk of my life. But also, you know, God has been tapping me on the shoulder and, you know, you on the shoulder saying, hey, might be a time for a transition just based on Andrew's gifts. So while I'm, you know, still grieving the student ministry exit and I still love students to death, um, this new role, it, it's it's a, it's a better fit of clothes. It's more of a better fit, just kind of uh, more natural, just uh, kind of how I'm wired and, you know, what gets me excited. So um, I'm just excited to move forward, just help us grow not only numerically, but especially in depth and in effectiveness just across the board. So uh, lots of very good challenges going forward, but I'm excited and, yeah, thrilled. Well, very good. Um, I've, I've loved working with Andrew the last few years, and it didn't take me long to figure out that he had some gifts and and just really some talent in areas that I'm really lacking. And so I'm really grateful that God has, has brought Andrew on board here. And I think in this role, we can really help complement each other's uh, strengths and, and, and build on that. And so I'm excited about you serving that role. So if you would, I'd like to just say a prayer. You know, when Nathan came, we prayed for him and prayed for him as he began serving in student ministry. And I'd like to just say a prayer for Andrew as he serves in this role. And I believe even next week, uh, there's going to be a card on the chairs um, that uh, we're going to be looking for ways to to tap into your strengths and talents. And that's now with Andrew and his role, we've got someone that's going to be looking to drive that and see how we can utilize the different gifts and strengths within this church. So be looking for, for ways that uh, he'll be reaching out to you. So with that said, let's, uh, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you, Father, for what a, what a good God you are and how that you just, uh, you're the one that's building uh, your kingdom and building this church, and we acknowledge that. And, and Father, when you brought Andrew to us a few years ago, it became obvious to me real quickly that uh, he and I could work real well together, uh, not just in his role in student ministry, but in other ways. And so I just pray, Father, that you'll continue to bless our relationship, and I pray that you'll uh, really empower Andrew to help us as a church be more effective in living out our vision and living out our mission uh, to follow Jesus and make disciples. And so I pray, Father, that you'll just really be at work in him. And I pray that now for the rest of our time and in this, uh, as we open up your word and, and read from it, I pray, Father, that you'll really speak through it. And I pray that the things on my heart that I've prepared and maybe even things that maybe you'll just lay on my heart through your spirit, that it'll just pour out in such a way, Father, that uh, you'll really speak to every person that's here today. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could you join me in just thanking Andrew? Well, with, uh, as we open in Romans 12, And with the explanation of an important step we are taking as a church to grow and to be strengthened as a church family, we're going to keep reading in Romans 12, which is actually the beginning of a very practical section of a letter written to the first century church in Rome. The writer, the Apostle Paul, in verse 3 says, "'For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment 
in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I absolutely love this this beautiful description of God's design for the church of Jesus Christ. You know, often here at Southwest, we talk about the importance of us living out our mission of following Jesus and making disciples. And as we follow Jesus, the head of the church, we're called to be the hands and feet of the church. We're called to live out what it means to be his body on this earth. In verse 5, it, it says clearly that although there are many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Today, in a standalone message here on this Labor Day weekend, we want to just make a few observations on what it means to be belonging to Jesus and his body, the church. Now, the first observation is that if you're a Christian, as Paul writes or describes, if you are in Christ, then you're a part of his body and you belong to all the other followers of Jesus. In this belonging, it's important that that you not view your church involvement as an optional thing. You see, in the first century, For the first century followers of Jesus and for the writers of the New Testament, an uninvolved member of the church would be a contradictory phrase. They wouldn't be able to even grasp what does it mean to be an uninvolved member. Paul writes, if you are in Christ, you belong to him and you belong to Jesus' body, the church. One of the reasons why we ask that you uh, put on a name tag this weekend is that we want to continue to encourage the involvement of each and every person that worships here at Southwest. And we want to encourage interaction between the various members of the church. Now, for some of us, that might mean not only putting on a name tag, but maybe even sticking around a little bit, following that final song, just so that we can know and be known by others in the body. Beginning this week and then again next week, we're going to also be publishing a listing of available small groups here at Southwest. Now, you'll notice that insert in the bulletin. There's a, there's a, a limited list uh, this week, but we hope by next week we'll have a listing of all the small groups that are going to be offered during the month of September. And who knows, by October, we might even see some of those branch and we might have even more opportunities for those at Southwest. And we want to encourage you to consider very, very uh, seriously this important step of, of getting involved in a small group here at Southwest, meeting another time during the week with other believers here at Southwest so that you can learn more about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to belong to his body, the church? And, um, and we hope that you'll consider taking that step this fall so you can really get a sense of belonging. Someone asked me last night, well, how do you take that step? Well, there's a couple ways. One, you could just 
call the leader or host of a small group and say, hey, I want to confirm your meeting this week. I'd like to join you. Uh, Now, for others of you, that might be a scary first step to take. So maybe for you, it's just checking that little box on the communication card. Hey, I'd like to get involved in a small group, and we'll make our best effort to contact you this week. You see, in our American culture, it's, it's easy for us to approach church life not as a body or as a family, because the church is also called not only the body of Christ, but the family of God. But instead, in our culture, it's easy to approach church like a consumer, maybe approaching it like a business, or maybe viewing our church interaction kind of like a financial transaction. So we can, if we approach it that way with a consumer mindset, we can begin to ask the wrong questions. We can find ourselves asking What am I getting out of this church? What am I getting out of my investment of time, energy, and possibly even for some money? And yet, if we approach our involvement in the church, the body of Christ, as a spiritual family, then we begin to ask different questions. We begin to ask questions like, how am I living out my responsibility to be a family member? What is the role that I play in belonging to the church so that I can make a positive contribution, so that I can make a positive difference and meet the needs of others that belong to the church? You're following an acknowledgement of God's grace in verse 3. Let's go back and read the rest of verse 3. We find these words, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. You see, if we're not careful, we can allow preconceived notions and and even pride to prevent us from belonging and serving in the church in the way which God has designed for us to function in the life of the church. Some of you who possibly have a leadership role within the workplace, you you come to church and you ask yourself, well, what is my role supposed to be in the life of the church? Maybe for some of you that have an executive role in your workplace, you came today and you say, well, Andrew's already got the executive role. What is there for me to do? We would like for you to begin to look at things a little bit differently this weekend. In fact, I want to share with you an illustration that I came across this week that I think really powerfully illustrates the importance of us not thinking too highly of ourselves and acknowledging that we're called to be a part of God's family. And that means serving the role that maybe God wants us to serve, to meet the needs of others. Some of you possibly have heard of a a very interesting lady named Indra Nui. Here's a picture of her. Now, maybe you've never heard of her, but she just recently announced that after serving as the CEO of PepsiCo for the past 12 years, she'll be stepping down later this year, the first of next year. Now, in reading this news, I I came across a story, and actually it was an article of an interview with her that I found very, very fascinating. And I loved her approach of leadership. This is what she had to say in this article. She wrote, 
I'll never forget coming home after being named president of PepsiCo back in 2001. My mother was visiting at the time. I walked in the house and I said, I've got great news for you, I shouted. She replied, it can wait. We need you to go out and get some milk. So Indra wrote, so I got out and I got milk. And then I came back and I was hopping mad. I said, I had great news for you. I've just been named president of PepsiCo. And all you want me to do, mom, is to go out and get some milk. Then her mother said this. Let me explain something to you. You may be president of PepsiCo, but when you step in this house, you're a wife and mother first. Nobody can take that place. So leave that crown in the garage. I love that, don't you? You leave your crown in the garage. I love that important reminder. And I think that's a good reminder for each and every one of us as we come to the family of God, that when we come into the family of God, when we understand that we're called to belong to the body of Christ, we're called to leave our crown in the garage. Possibly what's what's holding some of you back from being involved in the life of the church is you've been looking for that significant role to serve, maybe one that's maybe fitting of your education, your experience, and your work experience. If that's been your approach to serving the church, then maybe you need to hear the challenge this week, leave your crown in the garage. I'm grateful for the example of the elders of this church and our leadership team who, although they serve in important roles within this church of being shepherds and leaders and and vision casters, they've also served as an example to me and I hope to you of not being too impressed with themselves. And they're willing to serve in whatever ways need to be served to meet a need within the life of this church. We have individuals in our leadership who work during the week as doctors, engineers, administrators, company vice presidents, and yet I'm so grateful that they're willing to leave their crowns at work and serve in the life of the church in some pretty non-glamorous ways, like serving in children's ministry, being a preschool teacher, working in building maintenance in the life of this church. I'm grateful for these servant leaders. We also talk about the importance of this in our ministry staff. You see, although my primary role is to lead and teach and cast vision for the future, I also have another important responsibility every week. I have two trash cans here at Southwest that I'm to empty and to take out to the dumpster every week. You see, we're all called to be servants leaders. We're all called to leave our crown in the garage. Possibly you've been called to serve in some non-glamorous ways in the way. Maybe even when we've made an announcement or we've put something in the bulletin, you felt a nudge. Well, maybe I could do that, but you thought, well, maybe it's just not that glamorous. Or I'm going to wait for something that's more fitting of my giftedness. 
Well, if that's been the case, then consider taking off your crown and maybe meeting one of these two needs that a couple of our staff members are going to share about. I'm the children's minister, and I just wanted to share uh, an opportunity for help um, that we could use on Sunday mornings. We have a check-in station for our children to come in and get name tags printed, and parents get security tags, and then they take those and their children down the hallway. Um, But we need the people out here to greet them, and so part of our ministry is making the kids and the parents feel safe while they're here and secure, so we need those smiling faces that maybe you have just a little bit of um, technology um, knowledge to help with any computer issues that might happen. Um, But it's a very small time commitment, um, about 20 minutes of the beginning of service and then 10 minutes at the end. So if you're interested, just give me an email or you can talk to me in the hallway. Um, But we are looking forward to seeing you um, helping down the hallway sometime. Thank you. Hi everyone, Uh, my name is Nathan and I am the student minister here at Southwest. Uh, I just wanted to share an exciting opportunity uh, to um, volunteer and be a part of our uh, middle school ministry. Uh, So I just wanted to to share with you an opportunity to really just come alongside students, uh, to help them grow closer to to God, um, just be a part of their lives and to, to show them love. So our biggest need is small group leaders. So these would be, the main commitment would be uh, Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8 p.m. And it's just a time to to hang out with students and get to know them and then uh, lead a small group and and help them really take the next step um, in applying the the biblical truths uh, to their lives. And it's just really neat to to see their lives change. And so if you guys are interested, uh, just get in touch with me on that. So those are two ways that we're looking for people to step up to serve. We're also looking for people to serve in our first impressions ministry, to greet others, not just in the children's ministry area, but out in the lobby. And in fact, this week, with everybody having their name tag, I just want to deputize all of you. You're all greeters, okay? So every weekend, look for somebody that maybe you've never met before and do the non-glamorous thing and just say, hey, my name is Roger. Don't say it's Roger if it's not, but whatever your name is, and, and get to know them. We all belong to God's family. Let's make sure we're doing our best to make it a warm, welcoming place. Now, with this as a backdrop, Paul goes on to write this in verses 6 through 8. He says, we have different gifts according to grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, our emphasis on serving as needed, even in the non-glamorous ways, doesn't mean that we shouldn't look for ways that we can utilize our special gifts and talents in the life of the church because Scripture talks about that. But it's also important for us to point out that that this passage is all in the context of belonging to one another. 
So if you do have the gift to prophesy, to speak the truth into people's lives, then do it. If it's to serve, if it's to teach, if it's to encourage, if it's to give, if it's to lead, if it's to have mercy, then activate those gifts. And yet we can't forget that the charge in Romans 12 to utilize your gifts is also in the context of remaining humble and being willing to serve as needed in the church family, in the church family that we belong. In my life and in my interactions with others, I've, I've learned that it's easier to discover your gift through serving in roles where you're needed as opposed to waiting for the perfect role to utilize your gift. See, if you just start serving in the ways that you're needed, then your gift will, will kind of surface and you'll see ways that you can utilize that maybe in that area or, or an area of the church maybe similar to that. You see, it's important that we are utilizing those gifts to honor and to build others up as opposed to seeking our own honor. Which is why this profound section of Scripture closes with this reminder in verses 9 through 10, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. You see, when we belong to the church, it's not about us. It's about how we can love and serve others and honor others above ourselves. Those last two verses of Romans 12, we find a phrase that, that the New Testament writers used over and over and over again. I don't know if you caught it, but it's this phrase, one another. You see, church life is not designed to be a spectator sport. Church life is designed to be a participatory involvement. We're called to love one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, to greet one another, to honor one another. If we would have had time, but our time is up, we would have looked at one example from Galatians 6, which is, says, carry each other's burden. Carry each other's burden. Now, because we don't have time, we're just going to kind of fast forward to tie this back to Jesus, the one we follow. You know, yeah, in the church, we're called to carry each other's burden and find ways that we can serve and love one another and meet each other's needs. But our ultimate example is Jesus. You see, Jesus came to provide the ultimate answer for our life. He came to carry the ultimate burden that we all carry. That's the burden of sin and the burden of guilt. And Jesus came to this earth so that he could die for us so that he could take that burden upon himself so that we could be freed of that, so that we could live life as God designed it to be, live life belonging to others. And yet Jesus not only came to this earth to, to live and to die to, so that he could be raised from the dead to be our hope, but Jesus also had this three-year ministry that he, that he showed us what it means to be obedient to God's lead in our life. He showed us what it means to have meaningful relationships with others. 
He showed us how to truly love one another as he has designed for the church to love one another and to carry each other's burdens. In fact, as I researched for this message, I looked up the phrase one another and it's found about 60 times in the New Testament. But one of the first times it's found in the New Testament is what Jesus had to say in John 13. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. By the way, we just finished a series on the Ten Commandments. And I like it how Jesus kind of, he boils it all down to two, love God and love each other. But now he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. What is that new commandment? Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another, there's our phrase, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, as a church, we're called to have the kind of love and devotion to one another that when people outside the church look at us, they say, there's something different about those people. Maybe it's who they belong to. Maybe it's that they're really following Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus modeled for us what it means to love others? This is the context of getting down and kneeling and washing the feet of his first followers. And then in turn, we're called to wash each other's feet, to meet those needs in each other's lives. But I'm so glad as we prepare for communion, I'm so glad that when Jesus left heaven and came to earth, I'm so grateful that in a real sense, he left his crown in heaven and came to earth to be a servant. Oh, he was always the king of kings, don't get me wrong. But he didn't function that way. He didn't function in a glamorous way. It was very non-glamorous. He got down, he got down and got his hands dirty, meeting needs in others. He was willing to touch those that others viewed as untouchable. He was willing to reach out and associate with those that the religious people viewed as untouchable, but Jesus cared for him. I'm so grateful that Jesus was willing to leave his crown in the garage so that he could come and meet our most basic need, that of forgiveness. So when we take communion, as we take the piece of bread that reminds us of his body, let's be grateful not just that he came to earth, but that he showed us how to live. And as we take the cup that reminds us of the blood of Jesus, help us be grateful, and let's all be grateful that Jesus carried our greatest burden, that of sin, and he carried it away so that we could be free, so that we could be forgiven. Think about that as we have a time of communion with our King, Jesus. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for what a, what a great God you are. We thank you for how Jesus came and showed us how to love. Thank you that Jesus gave us another commandment. And it's a simple one. It's not easy to do sometimes, but to love others as he loved Help us as a church really live that out. 
Show us how to love one another and serve one another and carry each other's burdens in such a way that when others look at us, they can see Jesus. Show us how to do that more effectively, Lord. But right now, Father, we just want to thank you that Jesus carried our sin away at the cross. Help us, Father, just be filled with gratitude and filled with determination that this week we're going to serve him and live for him, not ourselves. We love you and thank you for your gift. Jesus, thank you for leaving your crown so that you could be a servant. It's in your name we pray. Amen.